welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by the regular rugby crew that is Sam and Westy, and we have some European rugby to discuss. Uh, we are pumped. We have a Connacht win to discuss, uh, and plenty of other uh, little bits to get involved. Before we get started, we'll check check in with the boys. Westy, we were, we were just saying how much you look like Jesus Christ. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. Uh, had a staff night out on Friday, which was really good fun. And then I went to Connacht match on Saturday and watched uh, a bit of the football for, you know, an odd change of pace. Um, How cold was it? Uh, at the Connacht match. Oh, man, it was cold. It was colder than Weldigger's asshole out there. <laughs> you know, me and Sam, <laughs> me and Sam try, try and keep this podcast above board, Westy. And you're always dragging us down. I like it though, man. I'm, I'm the wild card. I can't you help are, it. You, know? you are. You're you never know what you're going to get. So, some days is what you do. I sat at home all day and watch rugby. Other days I'm, you know, out there in assholes. <laughs> Every week I was like, "What am I going to edit out? Uh, edit out of Westy's speech this time?" <laughs> it's always a roulette, you know. Uh, but yeah, it looked. I, I was back home, so I didn't. I wasn't at the game, but it looked. I always think you have to deduct a few temperature, you know, Celsius from what the actual reading is at sports ground because it's just so much colder. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cold, and, and yeah, like I mean, the position of the stadium obviously you're kind of exposed to the elements, you don't kind of get the natural insulation that you'd get in it because you know it's not really a stadium. Um, but yeah, I think luckily enough, it like it, it's gotten a lot worse the last two days here. Do you know, I think it's minus two or minus three at the minute out there. Um, so it wasn't quite that bad, but yeah, it was a but again, it was it was a nice game to be at. Like, we had a few cups of tea, there was a few, there's a good crowd there, there's a bit of crack in the in the stands with people, and like it was a like it wasn't the most uh the thrilling of game that would keep you warm but it was, it was an interesting game it was really good like it was a good atmosphere and a good watch mercifully as well there was no wind if there was wind with that temperature it would have been beyond cold but uh, no it was no wind which was actually thank god because usually the wind would cut right through you the sports ground on the best of days so on top of that cold but like Wesley said it's gotten colder the last day or two anyway I think it wasn't as bad the night of the sports ground but it was very cold like that's the coldest I've been in a good while and I think the last time I was freezing freezing in a match was Newcastle at home a couple of years ago and there was probably less than a thousand people there but it was a rain cold that was just a, a cold cold good thing it's slip season guys am I right what slip season remember what's sli- what's slip season slippers like on the RT news no slippers yeah oh, where were slippers going? yeah slip season guys come on we literally discussed this like two podcasts ago I'm working. I'm wearing my Birkenstocks. Oh, God. You're, is that you've officially become a father when you're when you're rocking Birkenstocks? What sounds? Oh, they're comfy as though. Get on the Birks, man. Smurf, what's your footwear situation like at the moment? Uh, currently, uh, it's a, it's a classic slipper style. You know, oh, it's a granddad slipper. It is a granddad slipper. It is. Yeah, it is. I'm not man enough to wear sheep on my feet just quite yet. Uh, but Baba. <laughs> yeah. These were a gift uh, And I never used to wear slippers growing up Because I was so manly uh, But then I, as they were a gift I said I'd wear them And it changed my life Slip season uh, And everyone everyone at home knows that They're big hashtag slip season guys uh, Sam how was your weekend apart from uh, being cold? Weekend was alright Yeah, I was in Athlone Friday night uh, Helping put up the Christmas tree in the girlfriend's parents house And then went to the Connick match with Westie was supposed to have a match away in Westport and thank God it was cancelled because I was worried about not just the pitch itself being too hard to play. I don't know how they ever thought it would get, it would happen. Like it was below freezing for the entire day. But I was actually just worried about the drive home from Westport at half six in the evening. Like the driving home on the motorway with that fog and the ice was, was very scary. So 
glad that didn't go ahead, although we're going to have some back catalogue of games now after Christmas. <laughs> you know, we got cancelled. I think we've only played two games this season and one was a friendly. So uh, we have that. And then, yeah, I went to the Connacht match with Westy. Chilled out then Sunday, watched a bit of rugby, watched back a couple of the games I'd missed and I took it easy and then was home from work today because unfortunately the daughter's sick again, so I had to bring her to the doctor. So just chilled at home today, minding her, and she was in no fit state. So we watched Aladdin 1, 2 and 3 uh, and that was productive as it could be. Very good, very good. I was home for the weekend. My nephew turned seven, so I had to be home for that, of course. Um, but then, you know, yeah. I, I, while yeah. I was at home with all the family, my sister was selling raffle tickets for the local school that she teaches in. And I was like, okay, whatever, bought 10 year ten worth tickets. Top prize was a 43-inch TV. Only went and won it next day. <laughs> so now, wow. yeah. Well, here's the problem. And it's going to sound like such a 20, you know, a modern really have a 58-inch TV. I, yeah, I have nowhere to put this TV. I have absolutely zero use for this TV. So if anyone wants to buy a 43-inch uh, smart TV off me, yeah, so I have this TV that I have, I have no idea what to do with it. So that's, uh, that's, that's again, a very much a first-world problem. Uh, but yeah, we will see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it was good to be home. Uh, yeah, it was freezing the whole weekend as well. Um, we drove back early on Sunday to avoid what Sam was saying—the kind of dark, you know, dangerous shit. But um, got to eventually got to watch the Connacht game after probably putting seven viruses on my phone. I would say uh, overall, uh, a lot of very attractive ladies in my area want to talk to me, guys. I don't know about you, but <laughs> my, my phone would suggest that I'm quite to hit with Eastern European chicks. So, in cabin. Uh, in, ca- <laughs> in the rural cabin for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was good to be home nonetheless. But let's get stuck into the Connacht game. We have a win in Europe. Um, yeah, let's just get stuck in. So Connacht win 22 points to 8 over Newcastle. Um, you know, it was a dry, no wind kind of night, but by no means easy conditions, freezing cold. Um, and, you know, the, the, the coaching staff put out a team that by no means full strength, but I think was a leap of faith in the, the depth that we had built uh, and got well rewarded for it, Sam. I, I think, you know, overall, very positive. Yeah, there was, what was it, 12 changes to the start in 15. There was a couple of first starts, first game for the season for a few players, uh, or sm- like, I think, was it Kilgallen's second game of the season and burned only at 10 minutes other than his... Uh, Preseason, so it was great to see a good mix of experience and youth coming in, and then the lads who were called upon, I think, stepped up. I, I think that there's always going to be a little bit of a disjoint when you have that many changes, but I was happy with the ideas behind a lot of things that happened. Maybe some of the ball didn't go to hand, and that's just a lack of understanding between players and positions, I think. And topped on top of that, even though it was dry, it wasn't rain I think the condensation it ball did look slippy and you could see after the game there was a layer like of condensation and frost on that uh, astroturf so maybe the cold did add to a little bit of kind of slippiness on the ball but all in all no I thought a good showing from all the lads who were given an opportunity uh, it's rare you could make 12 changes in Europe to an English team and get the win I don't think Connacht had ever been in that position before so it was a strong team out even though it was you know, low in caps overall. You you would said in your articles over a thousand caps not picked, uh, thirty six between seven or eight players. Uh, so it was a big show of faith in them, and they really show they really showed up for Andy Friend and for Pete Wilkins, and just put their hand up for selection. I think everyone that was selected, they weren't given caps for the sake of it. They didn't just decide, you know, all oh, youth players coming in. Everyone that was selected, you could make an argument, is in the conversation for the position that they played in. You know. There, there's no guaranteed starters in this team, really, uh, outside of maybe Carty, but every one of them 
is was before being selected in a position to say that they were fighting for that that jersey and all of them really did themselves justice i think that you could pick any number of them out and say how well they played first half it wasn't pretty but i think overall i'm far happier than uh, disappointed with the result yeah you mentioned so i wrote my article the review on sunday morning so yeah, I, I, I highlighted that John Porsche, Mac Hansen, Bundy Jack, uh Finley, Keen Prendergast, and Dave Heffernan. I they would all have be starting on Connacht's strongest team. I think we all agree with that. Kieran Marmion, it depends, kind of him and Blade sort of interject. Buckley on the bench as well. Buckley mm-hmm. on the bench as well, yeah. So that's that is you know, over a thousand caps of experience not just experience, but talent as well, that you take off a team, especially a team with Connacht's you know, by no means Leinster's depth of squad. Uh, and then you have the likes of Cahill Ford, Kilgallen, Dylan Tierney Martin, Seamus Harry Langton, Sam Elo, Oshin McCormick, Colin Riley. Oshin McCormick making his debut. Um, and across the seven players, 35 appearances into a European game and getting a 14 point win. And a lot of Kong fans just still weren't happy with that. And I don't, I don't know. Westy, is it just. I get the sentiment behind it where you always want, you know, you want more. But. Do we have to be a bit realistic sometimes as Connacht fans of what actually is possible? Like, we we don't have... It's not a level playing field in terms of the other provinces. Let me answer your question with another question. Do you think it's unrealistic for us to have scored a fourth try in that game? No, 100%. And I said on the thing, we should have got the, bon- losing bo- should have got the winning bonus point. But, uh, like, to say that it was a bad day at the office, I think, is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I, most of the criticism I've, I've seen is that we left a point behind us in the game. And I think even... We were walking out and we kind of had to double check Sam to, to make sure we hadn't scored the four tries. We thought a second, you know, we were kind of like, how many tries did we get again? Because the amount of possession we had, the amount of pressure we put on, we kind of, we thought that we we had more than created enough chances that we should be able to capitalise and get another try. I think a lot of the criticism comes down to, um, part, partly it's the manner of, of play. Um, and I know that sounds horrible when you're talking about like a, a really strong win. Um but just that there were there were a lot, a lot of handling there were a lot of handling mistakes on the night. There were a lot of kind of uh, let's I don't want to say like moments of confusion rather than mistakes. Let's just say like and and when you look at the team sheet, you think about largely that that is that it's obvious why those things occur. You've got um, you know you've got Josh Murphy and um, and Niall Murray as a se- as a second row partnership. They've probably never played a second row partnership together. Your front rows never played together uh, in that position. Ford and Daly haven't played as a centre partnership together like these are combinations that we haven't seen before no matter how much those individual players might have played in Connacht squad it's about those group of players playing together and getting used to each other as well um, I, I think anybody who's, who's unhappy or, or thinks that you know that that was a bad performance you're right does need to kind of think about the performance we've had all season I was I was I thought maybe our attack might come a bit more alight than it has all season in, in this game because we had a little bit less pressure on us let's say maybe but um, I definitely did see kind of improvements in areas and, and you know, things like Adam Byrne creating a, a try out of nothing is just amazing to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you can, it's okay for us to want more. It's okay for us to expect a little bit more of our team because that's, you know, th- that's what we want. You know, we, we are a team that can compete at this level. We're a team that can compete at a higher level. Um, but we also have to be realistic and take into account the situation that was in front of us, which was a what was it, uh, twelve players rotated out of the squad, um, and you know, I, I, you know, you can say, oh, it was a clear uh, dry night, but as Sam said, that there was uh, there was condensation all over the pitch. The ball was definitely slippy, and it was Baltically cold as well. And those aren't conditions that anybody's really used to be playing in. Uh, so I think that combined with the changes, 
Yeah, okay, we probably should have got a, another try. There was another try in that game for us. But I, I do want to say that the main facet of the Newcastle game, I thought that was really good, was their defence. They were very, very competent in their defence. They weren't as um, as creative in, in attack. But I think it's a thing that maybe... Um, it's a thing that English teams can fall back on that maybe uh, Irish teams can't, right? If, if they've got a rotation of a squad or if they're in a game that they're not necessarily overly prepared for, they have a better level of physicality across the board normally th- than we do, right? Maybe not against our, our starting team, but at the level of team we were at there, um, they're able to fall back on that physicality and that grit. And I think we did really well to open them up when we did. Yeah, a few points there. You met, you talked about yeah, the cohesion. Like, how much cohesion does Jack bring to a team? Does Bundy bring to a team? Does, you know, the likes now of even Marion and, and the likes of uh, Mac. Like, that's huge, as you said, cohesion that we were missing. And, yeah, the passes aren't just, they were, they were literally inches off from being perfect. Uh, and it just, when that happens, it just doesn't click. I know Hawkshaw was getting a lot of abuse that he had a bad day from the, from the, from the boot, which he did. But, like, you know, <laughs> I'm seeing, you know, worst 10 ever to play for Connacht uh, being thrown around on Twitter. And it's just like, you know, these bold statements that you can back up or can't back up at all is just ridiculous. He's, did he have a bad day at the office? Yeah, probably. Is he going to, you know, is he? are we writing him off? Will he Will he play that bad again? I would be betting on that he wouldn't. I think he'll kick on. Um, and he's been 23. Brilliant. I know. It's, like, it's just playing crazy. with a 21 year old first center against a Premiership team in Europe. Like he's played once at 10 for Connacht. He's had very good games at 12 for Connacht. I think if you're writing players off in their first season, it's unfair dismissal of players. Like, like any change to your living situation to change profession is not going to be an easy transition. And for a 23 year old to come in and to try and run a team like that, I thought he had quite a good game. Missing touch is one thing. Me and Westy were joking with the two new, Newcastle fans beside us. There's something about the sports ground. People just miss touch. He wasn't the only one. It happened four or five times in that game on both sides. Fitzy missed touch one of the times. He missed touch twice. Their 10 missed touch. It's it happened to Ross Byrne. It's happened to Jack Hardy. There's something about the sports ground where people just miss touch. I think it's like, you know, like in golf, sandwich, the ball doesn't fly as far in the cold. Just It just doesn't. So I'd say like a lot of those missed touches were off by a yard or two. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like a lot of them were kept in then by great athletic feats as well. So like it just it's the people are looking for look a lot of kind fans are like like being miserable. They just enjoy it uh, and they'll always complain about something. But I just think there was a lot more. Like yeah, Hawkshaw had a bad day at the boot. He he had a great day in other aspects of the game too. So like it's not just about kicking when you're ten. It's a lot of it, but it's not and- all of it. As well as that, in the second half, I think he used the boot quite well to dictate where we played the game. I thought in the second half, we were much smarter with the ball and we put the boot to ball when need be. Uh, it's, you've got to understand, he's like he's a young lad. He's playing second or third game at 10 for Connacht. And he has a 21-year-old, Kyle Ford, who's also a 10 just outside him, who's trying to get to grips with working with Tom Daly. It's it's not easy. And Newcastle, like Wes, he said, they were, they were good defensively. I thought they were fairly listless in attack. You know, their try came a bit of a wonder moment from Adam Radwan, but... Other than that, I think that they weren't overly asking too many questions. Maybe our defense was also quite strong, but what they were was they were niggly as fuck. They were aggressive and they were strong defensively. Like the amount of semi late shots, even when Adam Burns tried, it was like a little semi late shot in there because they wanted to lay down a physical marker first. So I think I, I'm happy with the outcome of the game. I would have liked a fourth try, but I think if you're going to get critical about a 12 change win against a Premiership team in Europe, I think you've got too much time on your hands. Speaking of niggle, I was watching the highlights there and someone had commented underneath them. Uh, just prefer Adam Burns try when they kick to clear from touch 
you can actually see one of the guys at the bottom of the rock reach across and undo Peter Dooley's shoelaces when he's standing at Pillar. So, like, it's it's absolute niggle of, of the what is it, uh, top quality horseplay. Oh, what yeah, like? horseplay, yeah. <laughs> quality horseplay. I'm actually a huge fan, though, of Dylan Tierney Martin just adopting the role of, like, niggle protection agency. He just flies <laughs> in, just pushing people whenever something bad's going on. There's, oh, I love his attitude towards the game. He's been... I think he's been brilliant for us. The first throw aside, I thought he had an excellent game. Yeah, again, and he's only, you know, he's very young and he's already come into this team and kind of met of his own. I think a lot has been, a lot has been said negatively about Connick's depth. I think they're as deep as they have been for a couple of seasons now. Um, especially when you, the likes of, and we finally got to see Adam Byrne. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of been wondering what, what's happening with him. We knew he was injured for a while, but to come in like that, you forget how big of a unit he is. Um, he's a yeah. big boy, and then to, like that, a few players can turn like something like that into a try. Um, and I'm very happy that he's on. He's in Connick's team now. I'll tell you that. I thought defensively as well. Not 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 being said or not a lot has been said about Connick defensively this year. How much they have improved in URC? They're conceding a lot less points per game than they were last season. And you see, like eight points they concede, as you said. Like if if Newcastle, if if it's Kilgallen or or like Tom Daly on that wing for that high ball instead of Caelan Blade. You know, he might not score that. Nothing against Caelan Blade. It was just a mismanagement of positions. But, you know, if that's Kilgallen out there, I don't know if that's a try or Adam Byrne. So, you know, they could have they could have went tryless if if not for that. And, you know, Connacht never really looked in danger of or of losing that game. Um, but, like, again, it's this thing of, like, oh, not perfect performances. But, like, when was Connacht's last perfect performance? I, I was thinking, was it, was it Ulster in the Aviva? Probably, yeah. Because you're considering all the other good performances you have since then have been ones where we scored a lot but conceded a lot. Whereas I think defensively we've been so sound this year. And it's something that we talked about on the podcast so much last year was that we were letting in so many soft tries that we were almost giving teams 10-point head starts on us. And we've not really, outside of the, the one game where we literally gave someone a 10-point head start and one was at uh, Osprey's away there recently. But uh, outside of that, I think we've been solid defensively. You know, is the Stormers game after Bundy's yellow card and everything just went to complete pot? Maybe, maybe not. But Leinster were there. They they didn't run riot, which is rare for a Leinster team. Munster have been in the sports ground and down at home and they've not run riot. We've been more solid up front. I think our scrums can very good. And I think defensive, defensively, we've looked really solid. Uh, and I thought a couple of players came off the bench and had big impacts as well, uh, which was helpful. Like Leva, we haven't seen much of this year. He's played a lot for Tonga, but... Geez, he brought some physicality to the game. He got some go forward ball, and so did Sam Elo. Like they were brilliant. And to have that depth, like you said, your subs on your already heavily rotated team coming on and having huge impacts. Like Colin Riley, he made that last try by making that huge break. He got us right down into that when we were slightly a little bit under pressure. And Leva came on. Uh, Sam Elo won a scrum penalty straight away. There was really impressive performances from the bench as well. Yeah, like think of European Europe last year uh, when our front row went off. Due to injuries a lot as well, but like you know, it was a real step down. It was nothing against the likes of Jordan Duggan, who just wasn't experienced at that level, and Sam Elo as well. But like yesterday, you had Dennis Buckley, Della Hunt to accompany Sam Elo, and it makes such a difference. And as you said, straight away they won a penalty, scrum penalty. Um, yeah, let's talk about a few of the standout performers. Westy thought uh, obviously Caelan Blade was fantastic, rightly so, got uh, player of the match. Thought Tierno Halloran was very, very good, best we've seen him probably in a while. Thought Dimer Kilgallen as one of the young lads really just keeps impressing. Um, anyone else kind of stand out to you that really impressed you? Uh, Niall Murray, I think as well. I think he's gone from strength to strength in, in that squad. I think he's kind of emerging more and more as as the leader in that pack, uh, in the way he drives play forward. Um, 
yeah, I, I think Kilgallen for me is a huge one. Like I remember him playing uh, two, maybe three games last year and thinking he's got some ability, that lad, he's young, we'll see how he goes. Played two games maybe at the start of this season, I thought, okay, yeah, raw talent, needs a bit more work, one or two mistakes here and there, but that, you know, that'll grow out of him. In the last two games in particular, the Benetton game and, and Newcastle, I just thought he's been he's gone from strength to strength now. He kind of seems to be hitting the straps a little bit. Obviously, I hope there's still a long way to go from because he seems to be getting better and better. Um, and he could be really one for us to keep an eye on the future. Um, but like Cahill Ford, I thought like he wasn't perfect at inside centre, but I thought it was really promising to see him. He never looked out of place in the squad, which is really important for a young lad. He's he's had an odd season. He's playing for Corinthians. He's playing for the Barbarians. He's playing for Connacht. So um, all that move around just seems to be kind of adding to his kind of adding to his skill set. Um, and yeah, like I think Tilly Martin is is great. I love the I love the the absolute want of a fight out of him. Like I've never seen him take a backward step. And I think I think that is something that we've said for a while that we've kind of missed the Connacht. So if he can channel that energy as he gets you know bigger and stronger and more experienced, I think we have a real. I think we've got a, a future star on our hands there. I will say this now because I like to keep us honest here. He needs to keep in check a little bit because we criticise Craig Casey for this. And he is he is a bit like Craig Casey. He's an undersized hooker and he does have a fight in him. Once he doesn't step across the, the line, I think it's fine. But we just need to keep an eye on it a little bit because we don't want to be hypocritical here. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I, I think there is a difference to it and it might be a bias, but I think that with Craig yeah, Casey... Craig Casey he looks, for and Dylan Tierney Martin Casey to me comes across as yappy and starting the fights whereas I think Dylan Tierney Martin you saw it when Adam Byrne was kind of half checked on his when he was putting the ball down by that six who was never getting near him he comes in protecting I think he kind of is almost like a bouncer which is it maybe it's maybe it's the same thing but in my mind it's slightly different I don't think he looks like he's he's the one starting niggles but I look like he looks like the one who really wants to finish it uh, we'll, we'll, and then we'll on keep top, an eye on it we'll keep an eye on it but on top of the ones that uh, Wesley said I think that it's been a tough start for Seamus Hurley Langdon because he came in He's coming in from a different level. You know, he's not coming in from Super Rugby. He's coming in from Bunnings in uh, the championship, actually, in uh, provincial level in New Zealand. And then straight away, you're off to South Africa for a couple of games. And he played a couple of games and he looked all right. Like, he looked like he he brought it. But uh, I thought he had a quietly quite good game in a very strong back row with Paul Boyle and Darren Butler. And I'd like to see more of him and maybe give Oliver a bit more of a rest because Oliver is, in my mind, probably our best, if not top three players anyway. Uh, but he does just play a lot and you want to be able to get that rotation. So Hurley Langdon coming in, you work on his chipping forward a little bit more maybe because uh, that kick was just the most god-awful thing I've ever seen. But other than that... More I, of a solo in, in Gaelic, really. It was, yeah, it was, it was a, a kick. But it was a poor solo. It was, was it was a poor solo. <laughs> well, I thought I thought he was he actually went about his business quite well and him and Paul Boyle were a little bit of what we said we've been lacking the first few weeks of the season is they get a bit of go-forward ball and they have that aggression and Josh Murphy as well. I know we play in second row but he is a back row really and between them, I thought that they were quite impressive quietly and a day where Newcastle probably looked to beat us with their forwards and beat us up front. And they didn't take that backward step. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, Brave, next week, uh, they got hammered, obviously, 41-0. But away from home, French teams travelling in, in Europe. That old story, it's very hard to read too much into that. They'll be a lot tougher this weekend. Plus, with the added bite of if Sammy gets starting, he will try and bust everybody. Uh, Big Papa will try and bust a couple of lads as well if he gets playing. So. TATA is there as well. Oh, he's right, he is. 
He's, not, he's a medical joker at the moment, yeah. And they've been playing, uh, I know he's not Connick, but Stuart Olding's been there 10 for a lot of this season as well. So there's a lot of Irish interest in that team. Yeah, 100%. It'll be a good game, good game to watch. Um, we'll move on from that. Um, say, we'll just, let's just get into the Ulster because uh, this is the <laughs> biggest talk. I, I, I was driving back from Goa, so I didn't see the game live, but my mate from Monaghan, Niall, uh, McDonald texted me. He was texting me several times, so I checked him as I get home, and it was just like a what you were watching a man kind of deteriorate in front of your eyes, but obviously via text message. A thirty-nine nil Sale Sharks decapitation of Ulster. Um, I'll kick this one to you, Westy. What the hell happened, Ulster? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question. Whether any of them were good or not, I don't really know. Um, so their flights were cancelled on Saturday. Uh, afternoon, I think they're supposed to fly over. They end up flying over Sunday morning, uh, and then an early kickoff at one o'clock. So, I think I think that has to play a small factor in it. If 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 they'd lost by two scores and you thought the attack was a bit lifeless, that'd be a reason there. Do you know, is that they you know didn't have the guest best uh, preparation for the day. Um, I think part of it is is probably a bit of a hangover from last week. I think they were you know. Um, even Dan McFarland said it after the Leinster game. He said this one is is going to hurt us, and I think I think it has. I think it's I think it stunted them a little bit. And I think again, as we said last week, they kind of missed leadership on the pitch where they needed it. If you had a Cooney or a Henderson on that pitch to help kind of um, drive standards, then you know perhaps they can rescue. It. Because even when the three tries down, like I'm still thinking that there's a fight back here in Ulster. They might not win it, but there's something coming here in the second half, or something coming here in the last twenty minutes. They're going they're going they're going to push back, and it just it just never seems to take shape. So, um, look, as I said, it's a very difficult match prep for them. It's been a difficult week. Um, and look, it, 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 it was, it's a tough place to go. Sailor, I think, are second in the Premiership. Like, they're a pretty decent outfit. Like, okay, maybe they're not as good as Ulster made them look at times. But, um, yeah, it was a very difficult situation for Ulster to be in. Uh, I think they'll just as soon as forget about that one as an next and move on and focus on their home games. Yeah, it's just, it's very strange to see that from Ulster that, I watched the game back, and it was it was just like a team that kind of gave up. Um, you know, there was no fight in them at all. Um, Sam, what did you think when you when you watched this game? Like, what, is it just a team that were like kind of halfway through? We're we're done here. We're kind of mailing it in. It's, it's a very harsh thing to say, but I think it is. That was the case when I was watching. It, that's what it felt like. It felt like that they were they were going through the motions really by the end of it. They didn't look like they were on the same page. Maybe the disruptions to the flights were part part of that. The second half against Leinster last week could be another part of that. And I think in the URC anyway, they tend to try and beat people up with a really aggressive and really smart maul and forward play. And Sale didn't give them an inch on that. And that really hurt them because that was a lot of their game plan. Even when it's not going right, you can always kind of back them to get a couple of tries off that. And that didn't happen for them. I thought uh, Van der Vandermeer, the the hooker for uh, Sale, was brilliant, and a couple of the Ulster players will have games that they'd like to forget. I think Dope wasn't up to that, uh, up to it. I don't think that there was much management of the back line or the forwards between himself and Billy Burns. There probably missed Cooney a lot in that regard, uh, and then Warwick was lucky to stay on the pitch. For Mullen got his yellow card. It just looked like the heads weren't in it, and that could be one of many things. It could be the hangover from the Leinster game. It could be fatigue. They, they, you know, they played a lot of really hard hitting rugby all season, and they've got, they've got, well reported kind of mental frailties. Uh, we spoke about it last week, and it could be coming to the fore now. Uh, and then also the the disruption to the travel arrangements doesn't help. But I think Wesley's right. I think that that that's an excuse if you lose by a try or two. But they really just capitulated, and they're not going to like the review of that game. 
And it's going to be a hard, quick turnaround with La Rochelle coming next week as well, who are, you know, they're, they're a fantastic team and they will also not bow down to a good mall or bow down to a forward orientated game. La Rochelle are <laughs> bigger again than Sale. So, yeah, really tough day at the office for Ulster. Uh, I've been there as a Connacht fan. We've seen big, big results and you try and find little sheds of light. And I don't really know if I was an Ulster fan, if there was many to look for. So, uh, move on from what I'd say is probably the best a bit of advice I can give you as a Connacht fan who has seen a couple of big beatings in this time, in his time. Uh, just move on from it and just put it down to what the fuck was that uh, and try and get out of this rut now because the last thing you need is for the Leinster game, this game, to become a rut going into we have them on uh, the 23rd, they have La Rochelle, and you know, they need to get a result against La Rochelle or they're essentially out of this. It, you know, If they don't get a, a win or at least a losing bonus point, they probably out completely of this competition just with the way that the the games work because they'll have to go away to La Rochelle as well so it's a it's a tough one for them but they just can't let this gut into a this rut turn into a big falling down of their entire season because it's a really pivotal time of the year they have us and they have Munster over the Christmas period as well I think uh, so tough one for them so two things on that uh, you sparked my memory there I was watching the, the game back there on YouTube and one of the comments was, that's it, I'm becoming a Connacht supporter because uh, at least when they lose, they show a bit of fight. So I don't know how to take that. Uh, I don't know if you really want to be hopping over here as an Ulster fan. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. You're a champion. I'll club. take it. Come on over. I'll you're take more it. welcome. But I don't know if you're going to be much happier over here. Uh, secondly, I want to get your opinion on, on uh, I think I saw, Johnny Petri is the CEO of Ulster Rugby. He's on Twitter. Um, you know, which is great as a fan base to have that access to, you know, a, a, a senior member like that on Twitter who does tweet quite often. But some of the stuff that were people were tweeting him, I, I was a bit shocked by. So obviously, like some were demanding apologies, which I'm always a bit perplexed by, and some were kind of saying, you know, you're accountable for this, and this is all your fault, and all this sort of sort of things. No excuses, you know, terrible performance, all yada yada yada. Wesley, how do we feel about that? Do you think I don't know? Do you think that's I don't know. I don't know what the question I'm trying to ask here, but do you think? Do you think, first of all, that this guy owes Ulster fans an apology? Um, no, I don't think the CEO owes the fans an apology. I think, um, first of all, I think anybody owes the fans an apology. You win some, you lose some. Like, you, unfortunately, that's sport. You're gonna have bad days, and some days are gonna be worse than others. I mean, you know, you say about it's not as painful as a Connacht fan. I mean, we've had 50, 60 points put on us by far inferior teams because we just didn't show up like it's um i don't think adding the ceo i mean his job is the running and day-to-day management of the club he's not a player he's not a coach you know it's not his game plan that that went and got beaten it's not him who not that it would be excusable if you were um demanding apologies from people i think look a part of this is because ulster has been so quiet since you know they kind of picked up and left sale as quick as possible i didn't see much posted on their uh, on their Twitter at all regarding post-match uh, commentary or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like I think, look, you're entitled to your outrage as a fan and you're entitled to comment on the club's performance. But I, once you start going after individuals and saying, this is your fault, you owe me an explanation. Come on, guys, like we're all in together. Nobody wants to see their team do bad. He's not sitting at home and like, ah, great. That was a fun trip to Manchester. Like, he obviously is a it puts a lot into the club. I, I, I don't know the man personally, but I, I know on the Connex side, the CEOs and the guys who work here, I've had a lot of deals with them over the years. Like there are people who love that club as much as me and want nothing but the but the best for it. So I can only assume that's the case across all the provinces. 
there seems to be a similar theme though to how I felt a few times as a Connacht supporter. So a lot of people are giving out about um, the the head coach McFarland coming out and saying, you know, we'll take our learnings from this. After every defeat, it's always like we'll take our learnings. He doesn't seem to show a lot of emotion, which I do get as a fan. Sometimes you do want the coach to come out and just be like, that was fucking shit. I'm really pissed off. And I like at the same time, you can't really be doing that as as a head coach of professional football or a rugby team. But I can understand. We've had a bit of that from Andy Friend over the season, but. Johan van Grand got the same thing last year for saying we'll take our learnings and not been emotional in the interviews. It's like, like you're under media pressure. Like if you come out and say like, oh, that was shit, wasn't it? That's oh, that, that's that's the headline tomorrow morning on the paper is McFarland says Ulster are shit. Like so you have to be very careful. But at the same time, we are that. we are humans. We understand the pressure these lads are under. I think it would almost you know appeal to more people if if McFarland was like, God, that sucked, you know. Yeah, what well, that happened to Andy Friend the other week when he did finally, because he's been taking the brunt of it for so long. Every, every game nearly for the last four years, he said, like, that's on me. That's on my decisions. I made those decisions. And then he did. He had a p- little pop at his players for the first time ever a couple of weeks ago. And three or four different media accounts that I was listening to or reading were like, don't know if we should have done that. You know, keep that in-house. So it's, you can't win with these people. And I think, like, McFarland, in, in my mind, has enough money in the bank because he has really solidified Ulster. I'm not, an, I'm not an Ulster fan. I've seen a couple of really well-regarded Ulster fan uh, forums and podcasts and Twitter accounts critical of McFarland, and I'd love to get more insight into why that is because from the outside looking in, I couldn't be more envious of where they are in terms of what he's developed them from because they were in a dogfight for third of the provinces, and now they are very much the second, if not you know, pushing. I know they're not at Leinster's level, but they have beaten them three times out of four sort of thing. They're They're... They're a close second in that Irish province provincial pool. And I like I would be looking on, looking at the depth they've built, looking at the players that they've been enabled to sign, your kids off, your Vermoulins, whoever it was, uh, looking at the starting team that they have and looking at where they're going to be at the end of the season and going like, I'm I'm jealous of it. And if if losing once in a while 39 nil to sale is the price you have to pay for being that successful, I'd I'd put up with it. But maybe I'm maybe I'm naive on the outside looking in. But in my mind, I think that there's a little bit of undue criticism gone towards McFarland. Uh, I don't, I don't buy it personally. I think that the, he's done wonders for them as a club, and that you've seen them go from strength to strength. No, I agree. I think, look, yeah, it was a really bad day at the office. It doesn't help that last week, you know, they had a collapse against Leinster. But you know, they, no one would be shocked if they went and bet La Rochelle this weekend. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to be easy. Though, I know it won't be easy, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't but, shock you. It's not going to be easy for them to try and be compartmentalize this and to try and be objective about the La Rochelle game if that doesn't go well. Even though it's the reigning champions of the tournament, if they don't win it, they'll be kicking off because that's how sports fans are. But you, like, there's you have to contextualize it with you're playing La Rochelle. Like. Westy, quick question yeah. to you, Westy: Would Connacht fans be upset if we didn't hammer La Rochelle? Uh, I I think I'd be tearing up. <laughs> oh, I'd be tweeting Andy Friend. You owe me an apology, Andy Friend. Um, no, I mean Ulster can't beat teams with fourteen men. We saw that last year in Thomond Park against Munster. Like, someone gets red card in the first five minutes, Ulster lose. Like, it seems to be also uh, other teams shocked. that get impacted by that. It's not just Ulster. <laughs> I don't know who you might be talking about. Um, no, but that, that's the very tough thing is that like this this in theory was the game they needed to win because La Rochelle are going to be so difficult next week coming back. And look, maybe we'll see a great bounce back. But I guarantee I know when we will see a great Ulster performance, and it's in the sports ground on the twenty third of December. 
I'm hoping the morale is just completely gone and they're all just looking forward to some Christmas dinner by that point. They send the absolute nobody. No, what's going to happen is the end of season DVD in feckin' July when they win everything. We're like, do you know what day our season really turned around? Was the 23rd in Galway when we put 80 points on Connacht. That's what's going to happen. Who, who was the uh, the number eight? The name escapes me. Nick. Nick something. You play for Nick. No, played for Ulster years ago. Uh, Williams. Uh, New Zealand player, Nick Williams, and went to Cardiff then after. I remember a Christmas period time kind of game. I think that they won 7-5 against us in the sports ground. He scored the only try. And that's that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. It's going to be so cold, probably rainy, probably windy, because we plan on going for points afterwards, so it's going to be miserable. Sam, you, and, you uh, say 7-5, I say a losing bonus point. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean this is what that Ulster fan has to look forward to when he comes over <laughs> losing bonus points uh, but no Ulster will be fine it just, they just have to kind of weather this what's the opposite of a purple patch black patch dark patch a bit racist Sam uh, <laughs> we will move on uh, to the probably the most boring of the Leinster game or of, of all the provinces Leinster all they do is win they're not they're no crack very boring, and they beat Racing away from home, forty-two points to ten. Sam Lencer, look, but this doesn't really answer any of our questions. We know Lencer are really good. We know they're going to get to the at least semi-finals, and that's when our questions about Lencer will be a- a- answered. Is that fair? Yeah, I did think Racing would be more of a test for them. I probably had some preconceived notions about what Racing were going to bring based on what we we played against them in the Heineken Cup two years ago. And based on the fact that they're French, I was hoping that they would bring them a little bit of a test up front, but they really didn't. Uh, Lenser were brilliant. I thought Ringrose was, again, absolutely sensational. I think he's been so good all season. Uh, and I thought that, like, Charles Natai, James Lowe, uh, Josh Van der Fleer, Ryan Bird even playing six. They were, they're across the park. They were really, really good, and they were great to watch. Uh, I know you say it was boring, and it was boring from the fact that, you know, Leinster just are capable of winning games easily. There's, there's no heart attacks in Dublin. The, the heart, heart attack rate is way lower than in Connacht. Uh, but I thought they they fairly pushed aside a strong Racing team and really cemented themselves as probably going favourites for this year. And it's going to be at home as well. So it'll be hard to look past for the rest of the season. Uh, good game for them. Racing weren't up to much. If that was because of Leinster doing that to them, I don't know. But I thought that there was some silly decision making on the Racing side. Maybe they were getting a bit desperate after a while. But you know, scoring early tries always settles the team as well. So Leinster, Leinster probably made that happen more so than Racing. Just weren't very good because they are. They're like they're a seriously strong team. Uh, and then they got they got the ideal Finn Russell performance from a Leinster point of view. Uh, Finn Russell can be hit and miss, and I think that he was miss at the uh, the weekend. I think it's also, um, I think it's also really good game management from Leinster. I mean, they scored four of those six tries while harassing her down to fourteen men. Like the first yellow card, they scored two tries. Come out in the second half, next card, two tries right in. It's like that's what breaks a team, you know. Like that happening twice back to back again. And I agree with Sam. I, I put it into group. I didn't think Racing were up to much during the game, but I think something like that just makes it so hard for you to turn a game around. Um, when a team are so clinical and so decisive, especially those moments where they have, where there's a, a you know a gap of daylight anywhere, um, it's really hard for you to turn a game around when a team are punishing your yellow cards that hard. Lens just there's no let up. They're just constantly you know that that game was very tight for like what 32 minutes, and then Lens just blew the whole doors off it, um, you know in quick succession. And there's no 
you know, you have to just be to be Lencer, you have to be really on, on your A A plus game no matter who you are. Um and that's just that's just how good they are. When it was close, and now forgive me, I can't even remember who it was from Racing, but Andrew Porter had a huge cover tackle. Uh they want they got the ball on a Racing break mid to late on the first half that I thought was massive for just Leinster just not letting them in, not letting them get a sniff. Uh, so there's moments like that, like Wesley said, taking advantage of getting yellow cards. Leinster really have big moments that just gear them on. It's the same in the Ulster game last week. There was just there was something there. There was a little sliver of belief that they had that they were just able to feed off. And I think that that's the mentality side of things that Leinster have above all the other provinces is they can just take moments and use them as wins and just build on them from there. And they just they are so so tough and so formidable to play against. Yeah, they're they're insane. They're and they're they're, they're depth and they're yeah you know, they're just really good rugby team. But as I said we won't we won't really know uh, the answers to our, our our only questions over them until they get to a semi final or, or maybe a tough quarter final, um, and that's that's when we'll see it. But um, great win for them. Uh, another top French team were in action against an Irish province, but this time they come out victorious. Uh, Toulouse beating Munster in Tomond 18 points to 13 um, a game that a lot of people didn't see even when they were watching it because of the fog um, I think it looked worse obviously with cameras up high looking down um, How I was thinking this the other day like with technology and cameras how is there not like a defogger in a camera setting somewhere do you know what I mean? Does that mean anyone else think that? Or just a giant fan in the stadium to blow the fog away <laughs> yeah that could be good yeah it wouldn't help for kicking conditions but it'd be fine um, this was a, a real battle of a game. I thought, you know, Munster could have easily won this in, a, in another on another day, another occasion. Thought Munster played pretty well uh, overall. I think um, they battled really well. Won the top teams in the competition who should be there thereabouts. Uh, but to lose are just at that level. They're one of those few teams I think that can they kick the shit out of you physically as well as then have these incredible backs. Dupont into Mac that can you know go around you uh, at the same time. Capuzzo now as well on the wing. Um, they're a really, really good team. We'll be there, there, thereabouts come the end of it. But I think overall, Munster will take a lot from this game, Westy, won't they? Yeah, definitely. I, I do think I would say on a different day, it might have gone their way. I think the weather conditions come in really suited what Toulouse wanted to do. They, they wanted to slow it down. They wanted to kick. They wanted to uh, apply pressure in certain areas. Um, and what's really terrifying is just how they scored from absolutely nothing from the smallest chance they were given. I mean, amazing pass from Capos, amazing pass from Ramos into the corner. Like it's 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 beautiful to watch, but it also comes out of absolutely nowhere. So I think Munster started really well and really strong, and they moved the ball well. But I think in the second half they just kind of died off just a little bit. And I'm, like I'm not saying that it was a, a capitulation or anything like that, but there were like mistakes in Carberry's game started to creep in just a little bit. I thought Anton Frisch. Had a, had a a quite a weak second half compared to a very very strong first half, um. So these little things start to go against them. And as I say, look, they want to play a really sharp high attacking game, and maybe a visibility cause problems in in where they want to poke holes and getting their line set up. But one thing I would say is I thought that um, uh, Mike Haley was fantastic on a high ball because that's one area that he was definitely tried to continue to uh, put pressure on them when the fog came in. They were trying to put very high balls up and catch a mountain. He not only caught them, but he returned them really, really strongly. So I just think that that monster uh, uh, attack is still evolving. Um, and it, like Toulouse are just a little bit above uh, that right now. They were happy to slow them down and kill the game. And I'd say they were able to survive off the smallest of crumbs that fell from the table and, and pounce on that. So I think if you're monster, you're you're disappointed because you'll feel like You'll feel like if your attack had flown a little bit better, if you'd kept that same intensity you had in the first half, maybe you could have kicked on. But um, 
I just think Toulouse are, are, are further down the track in terms of uh, the cohesion in their team that, that you want. And it's also, you also have to look at the last few weeks for Munster, unfortunately, with, you know, with, with the Munster game, with the Ireland camp, with, uh, you know, the, the, the big dogs, of course, Connacht coming to town. Um, and, and a really tough fight back against Edinburgh. Like they, they've played a very similar team across those three, four fixtures, uh, including the um, including the Toulouse game. So certain players that really rose up, like Frisch, are probably now just you know just need a break, just need to rotate out, and need someone else to, to step up. So I just think it was it was just a little bit too much to ask from them in the end. But I, I'd, I'd be pretty proud if that was kind of you know fought back and um, you know even even to cleverly to, to take the three three points and get the losing bonus point in the end. Um, but yeah, I've been held out when you're camped on the line so much. That's a difficult side to take as well. So um, they'll look at how their attack is evolving, and I think they'll I think they'll be a lot better um, at the weekend. Yeah, thanks for mentioning Mike because I did have him down as one someone I wanted to talk about. He was so so good, and he's always been. I mean, every time he plays Connacht, he's always like one of the best players against them. Um, and I think maybe they might look back in years to come and think maybe he should have got a bit more of a chance in the green jersey. Uh, but obviously it's tough with the lads ahead of him, but he is always very, very solid. Sam, I wanted to talk to you about a lot of, obviously, like a lot of offsides that didn't, that went unpunished for Toulouse and probably for Munster as well. But we've been saying this for a while. Good teams see that early on and just keep doing it because they know it's not going to be pinged. Um, what what was your kind of view on the refereeing or not the refereeing because they hate talking about it, but do you think it was a, an ill-disciplined game? I don't think it was ill-disciplined because the ref didn't ping them very much. That's when you can judge an ill-disciplined game. But yeah, I think that Toulouse helpfully used the refs not calling up the line. I don't know if that was because the touch judge couldn't see the game or because touch judges seemingly do nothing. Standing in the sports ground watching touch judges acknowledge that a team has gone down in the scrum and then not calling it and the ref not knowing is so infuriating. But yeah, uh, good teams see what a ref's not pinging and use that to their advantage. They always have and they always will. So I think the Munster fans that are annoyed about it can rightfully be annoyed about it, but Munster could have done the exact same. Uh, I thought it was strange that he then went and made calls like don't touch the nine at the very end of the game with 10 seconds left, even though he's he had allowed the nine to be just battered all game up to that. But there's no excuse for it. I think the Munster fans will acknowledge that they can't blame the ref for that loss. And it, it was just a better Toulouse team the Munster game plan to me looked like they tried to win the game in the first 20 minutes and they made a really good attempt at it they came out the traps they came out I think that what they wanted to do was just take Toulouse by surprise and just really you know feed off that energy that Toman gives them and get that win and they just didn't do enough of that uh, they they did very well they scored early they they played really well I thought Carberry had a fantastic first 20 minutes and then fell off in the second half the same with Frisch I thought that it was kind of the weakest half of rugby that he's had since he joined Munster was that second half but like Wesley said, they've gone to the well week in, week out for the last few weeks, and there's going to be heavy rotation at some point. Uh, it could be over the Christmas period with the Interpros. It could be next week away to Northampton. Who knows? But uh, between injuries, the players being away on Ireland Day duty or Emerging Ireland duty, whatever you want to call it, uh, and the Irish team, they haven't had all their players all the time, but the players they have had have done a lot for them. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go for the next couple of weeks because I thought that the game plan during the that game was to win it early and to try and just maybe make Toulouse give up early uh, and Toulouse didn't and players like Pitaki brought a lot of uh, aggression Dupont was niggly as anything like he was leaving in elbows and shoulders and everything and he, he's just such a fantastic rugby brain he's able to kind of make space for himself and make space for others and Entomac is always dangerous 
he made so many half breaks that just put the monster defensive line on the back foot, which then allows them to get going and to use their forwards and to really beat them up. And uh, that was the winning of the game for Toulouse because it was it was not the most beautiful games by all accounts. But I think Toulouse did enough to just grind out the win in a way that Munster have done in years gone by or in the games gone by. You'd see Munster Munster in that win. And Toulouse very much did that in my mind because they weren't massively better than Munster. I think they're marginally better than Munster and they'll remember they were in a game because it was feisty as anything and it was aggressive and there was a lot of big hits. So Munster will take a lot from it. Uh, but that's not a consolation when you do lose a game that you could have won. You know, you're always going to be a bit downbeat about it, but there's a lot of good stuff happening at Munster at the moment, which is as a kind of fan worrying because at the start of the season, I was kind of going, Ooh, if we finish ahead of them, that'd be nice. But looks like they're really growing into this round three system and the players are buying into it a lot and it's, it's starting to show fruition. Yeah, well, they seem to have made a few decisions like Craig Case seems to be now the, the scrum half to go with, which we all agree with. is probably the way to go. Um, I think Crowley's emergence has definitely put a, a or has kicked Carby up the ass a little bit. I think he's we've seen him now. He still hasn't really put 80 minutes together, but he still seems to have improved. And then having Crowley to come on as well is a great addition too. But I think they, they've definitely turned their season around and they're going in the right direction, um, which is yeah, definitely scary for the rest of us. Um, I wanted to wrap up with, uh, I meant to ask during the Connacht section, what do we think Connacht will do this week with team selection-wise? Westy, will we see a lot of the big names come back in? Are we going to stick with the youth? What do you think Danny Friend and Pete Wilkins will do? Um, I don't think they... I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but I don't think they'll have the five internationals and Carthy back. Um, so I say that won't be a change. I'd say there'll be small rotation back in. We're not going to see 12, but I think you you could see the likes of maybe Farrell in for Ford, or uh, I think Adam Byrne will probably retain his jersey. Uh, we might see Porch come back in. We might see Porch go to fullback and have Kilgallen again on the other wing, or uh, Porch and Tiernan, I'm not sure. Um we we could see Della Hunt start. I think there'll be small changes, but it'll be all in all, it'll be a similar squad. You might say three or four players back in. Um, I think uh, Josh Murphy, again, I haven't heard. Maybe you heard in the in the press or today or tomorrow. Uh, he came off with a HIA, was replaced by Leva, so he's probably not available. Um, so we might see um we might see Gavin Thornbury come back in. And I actually did really like Lev on the bench. I thought he brought, as Sam said, a massive, massive impact when he came on. And that's going to be important in a physical game like it's going to be in France at the weekend, or on Friday night, rather. Um, so short turnaround as well. So I think there'll be, I think we see three three or four changes, but it'll be a lot of those guys, I hope, will be rewarded like Adam Byrne. I would love to see him get a couple of games now back-to-back. And maybe Hawkshaw as well. I'm happy with him at 10, unless they want to switch it out and give Fitzy the start and see how it goes. But... Um, I'm pretty happy with m- most of the squad playing again. We might see the likes of uh, Dara Moray move to the bench as well if Leva gets the start. So there's a really f- few really interesting kind of um, uh, permutations that we might see, but I do think it'll be a core squad kept because I think the goal of resting players and being prepared for the next round of the uh, of the URC is still in the back of minds. And I, as, as far as I know, I think that certain lads are actually on holidays for a couple of weeks, so um, there won't be a massive return to. Um, Type, I suppose. I can't believe you're going to start the worst 10 to ever play for Connacht, Westy. You are unbelievable. You on the scrap heap oh, with Ben Healy, ben, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Sam, what do you think is uh, similar to Westy's thoughts? Similar to Westy, I don't think there'll be huge changes. I think there'll be some enforced changes. I'd say Josh Murphy would be arrested regardless of the HIA. And uh, I think what we will try and do because 
Bree aren't doing well in the league at the moment. They're bottom and there is relegation in that league. So they, they're not going to take this too seriously after the beat and they got off card, if I don't think. But they're going to be a different animal in France. So regardless of how seriously they take it, what they will do is try and beat you up. They'll be very French. They'll be very aggressive, be very strong. We know from some of the signings they made during the year, some of the players that we're familiar with, they're a strong, hard-hitting team. So I'd say they'll bring in a couple of bigger names, uh, maybe Leva, try and shore it up. Uh, I'd say Dooley probably keep his place. Uh, I don't know if they'll keep Angel on, but probably just if Finley's not available. Uh, and then try and just, yeah, try and shore it up up front and then play out wide and play to the strengths of the likes of Kilgallen. Uh, Jennings' name has been mentioned a couple of times. He's been featured in some of the PR stuff recently, and he, he was good at 13, so it could be an opportunity for him 13. I think put Tom Daly into 12, because I think he's more of a 12. Uh, Fitzy had a good impact when he came on. He could be a full-back, but Tiernan, you might want to reward that, because that was, in my mind, his best game in the last two or three years. So it's, it's a good problem to have. I don't think there'll be wholesale changes, but I think they'll try and make it a little bit stronger up front to try and counteract that French thing try and earn the right to play a little bit uh, and hopefully take advantage of a brave team that are concentrating on the league and not on this this tournament because they got absolutely hockeyed by Cardiff and they're very, they they sacked their coach. He was an Irish lad. I can't remember his name now for off the top of my head, but they sacked him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, big changes there and they're, you know, looking down a barrel of relegation. So it's not an easy time in Breve and the Challenge Cup is probably the least of their worries. Yeah, I think that's all good points as well. But yeah, even you mentioned all the possibilities of players there and I was... You know, very happy with a lot of selections well, that were mentioned. I would love to see Shane Bolton. I know he's played for Weegans. He scored a try at the weekend there, or the weekend just passed. Uh, he's been playing a little bit on the wing as well, so beastly enough winger if you want to go Joan Lomo style. But uh, I'd love to see him involved because it'd just be such a shame. He's coming. He's in the second year of his two-year contract, and if we don't re-sign him, it'd be such a shame to have not seen him as much. It's the only time we did see him last season, he scored a try in his debut. Yeah, I think him, him, um, Alan Byrne and Kilgallen, we've got some beastly wingers at the club at the moment. Uh, but look, lads, we'll wrap it up there. We recovered all of our action. Um, we'll be back next weekend uh, to sell, we'll talk about my birthday as well that's coming up this weekend. I'm turning 22 years old. Young spring chicken that I am. Uh, yeah, back, we'll t- discuss all the European action as well. So, boys, appreciate it as always, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.